Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Joining me today are two legends of the British game and subjects of my first and last football argument during my school days. It's Peter with and... Brian Little. To be here, interested to see how we're going to get on. We we do lots of things together over the years, and and uh, uh, the only thing we never did was very play alongside each other too often, really, which yeah. would have been a nice thing. But no, it's great to be here and uh, looking forward to it. Well, let's start at playing together with each other. Once in a testimonial, you played against each other for Birmingham City and Aston Villa. Yeah, no, yeah, he played, know. We played with each other in a testimonial. In his testimonial yeah. game because he's finished his career yeah. and that was the only time that we played together exactly yeah And uh, but against Pete you played against each other you for Birmingham City and Brian for Aston Villa trust me you did ok trust me in fact that. there was a corner that Chris Nickel was going to get his head onto it and you intercepted it and it went back out for a Villa corner Okay. 100%. Which year was that then? 1975-76 well, season. It would be, yeah. In fact, I and think the it score was the game that you scored the winning goal, Brian. Yeah, Kenny Burns. Yeah. I took the ball. Well, I didn't even take the ball off him. He sort of lost the ball right on the edge of the box. Yeah. And a side footer didn't... If Peter played that game... Well, I definitely played that game, so mm-hmm. you might remember whether you played that game as well. But, yeah. yeah. I often have a little look at that every now and again just to remind myself. Do you reminisce much about the good old days? Because we're going to talk about that. I also want to go back to the beginning of your careers because your careers were very different in how they started. Pete, you... In 1971, we're playing for Southport, and you were on the docks, Liverpool. Is that yeah. correct? And Brian, you'd just come down from uh, Newcastle yeah. as an apprentice and made your debut, age 17, yeah. for Aston Villa. So, well, that 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 I mean, that in itself for me was a, a sort of a, a massive thing. You know, at 15 year old, I leave home, uh, and you know, I was very quiet. Yeah. Didn't know a thing about anything at the time. I was living in a place called Peter Lee, which is in County Durham, born in Newcastle. But I lived in a, a little sort of mining town. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, left home at fifteen. Fortunately, I was in digs with a lad who looked after me, a lad called Roy Stark, who was the same age as me, but was more of a man than I was. You know, yeah. what I mean, he he was big and strong, and I was uh, sort of small and very quiet. Uh, to to think that two years on from there, I'd changed completely, and I was playing in the first team was just incredible, really. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I think leaving home at 15 was something I always wanted to do. I don't know why, but I I, I mean, I'd never even cleaned my own shoes by the mm-hmm. time I was 15. So I, I left home and was then thrown into the world of football, which was a real eye-opener, to be honest. Now, Pete, your first journeys into football, really different. In fact, your journey into the professional game was uh, via South Africa and America and then Wolverhampton Wanderers in nineteen, uh, yeah, Wolverhampton Wanderers in nineteen seventy-three, wasn't it? Well, yeah, because I started. Um, I was playing in Liverpool for yeah. three teams, mm-hmm. so I played on a Wednesday in the Business House League. I played yeah. on a Saturday for the Wakes team, who I couldn't get a game for, 
and then I played on the Sunday for the Sunday team. Yeah. Uh, the Saturday team, I used to play. I ended up playing in goal because I didn't have a goalkeeper. So I said, <laughs> I'll play in goal. And then on the Wednesday, I used to play left midfield. And on the uh, Sunday, I used to play left wing. So I played yeah. in near all the positions, as it were, until I got to Southport. And then I started sort of professionally. <laughs> so if I, in fact, the day I signed my first professional contract was the day my son was born, Jason, on 16th. Okay. Of August 1971, I actually signed a professional contract. Didn't last very long, right? Yeah. But it was there. Uh, and then went via uh, Preston, Barrow, South Africa, yeah. and then Wolves. In 1973, you played for three different teams, didn't you? Yes. Um, Port Elizabeth being one of them. Yeah. How was that time briefly in South Africa for you? Because th- there was apartheid going on. There was, uh, I don't think South Africa could play test cricket, but there were a number of footballers, certainly in the 50s. Uh, I think Peter Franklin played over there as well. How did you figure with South Africa? Well, South Africa was one of them places that everyone was sort of uh, going to play, like Johnny Haynes yeah, was yeah. playing in South Africa yeah. when I went there. Yeah. But every team had at least four or five players, ex-players. So yeah. Terry Wharton was playing out there, ex-Wolves. Yeah. Um, so we had loads. We had Tony Coleman, we had them, them sort of players. And then other players went out. Um, uh, George Easton was playing out there in, in South Africa. So there was a lot of players playing. Yeah. There was apartheid at the time. Yeah. Uh, we, as uh, Brits, as it were, were trying to just um, do what we do mm-hmm. and just ignore apartheid. Yep. Just try and get on with people the same way as what we got on with people all over the world. Um, so that was difficult. I, funnily enough, my wife was saying that she took Jason to a park once. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of the mothers worked out there and mm-hmm. the fathers worked out there. So the children were looked after by nannies. Yeah. Uh, but they all had to sit together and she had to sit on her own. She couldn't go and sit with them. Yeah. Because you could be arrested for that sort of thing over there, um, so it was yeah, it was it was difficult, but it was a, it was amazing how sort of um, you sort of got on with it. Yeah, and I was just a young twenty-year-old who just wanted. I was the youngest player in the team, both teams, um, and I always remember there was a the lad. I went to Port Elizabeth, and the manager um, who signed me, when I landed, he was taken off on a plane flying back to the UK. Okay. <laughs> so Billy Haydock, his name was, he yeah. played with me at Southport. So he was flying back. So I, I had him as a manager. Then I had another manager. Then I had another manager. This is all in one season, by the way. Sounds like the Premier League now, doesn't it? <laughs> and then I had a fellow called Matt Crow. Okay. And Matt Crow used to play for Norwich. Um, and I always remember him. Um, we were playing against Durban and they were playing me in midfield because yeah. I could run. And I wasn't scoring goals at the time. The only club in my career that I wasn't scoring goals mm. for. So I played in midfield. And uh, I always remember trying to nick this ball. One of the players was coming through and I missed time. He sort of put his leg up a bit higher. And then all I could hear was this manager from the side, Matt Crow, shouting and screaming. So I was like, you know, made a, a little bit of an expletive. So in the end, we come in at half-time, we're nil-nil, we're playing Durban United, one of the top teams, and yeah. we're nil-nil, and we're bottom of the league at the time. And I always remember coming in thinking, you know, we've done well here, boys, you know. And him saying to me, you, you, ever say anything to me? And I'm like, what's he on about? So he said, you, he said, you haven't even played for anyone in there. And that was like red rag to a bull yeah. to me. As soon as he said that, you haven't played for anyone. 
I, I remember getting hold of my shirt like that and I got it to my shoulders like this because I was going to take the shirt off yeah. and just throw it on him basically and two of the lads either side of me said no 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 he doesn't know what he's talking about leave him leave him leave him so in the end um, yeah, I, I, that was probably the only manager that I ever actually wanted to knock him out <laughs> because of you know comments comments like that to me coming from Liverpool to yeah. say you haven't played for anyone was like if you don't play for anyone you can't play for your team who was the next manager that you felt like knocking out was there any others oh, there's loads. you played for about 25 didn't you yes there's loads of the 25 yeah. I wouldn't say there's 25 of them but um, I would say that not knock out but I think that there's some managers um, like Willie Bell unfortunately yeah. Willie Bell was a great nice nice person and coach just yeah. with regards to his management man mm -hmm. management sadly it lacked a little bit and he was probably one of the ones yeah. um, in fact I always remember my last game mm -hmm. that I played he he decided to play me on the left wing against West Bromwich Albion yeah. and I remember because you know we had two tunnels yeah we did Down so we had one in the corner and one in yeah, the yeah. centre and yeah. I always remember running up and my last game was uh, run up went up the tunnel down the road and ended up in Nottingham Forest so that was my last game and then we were playing the following week we were playing Villa yeah. at Villa Park and everyone's we're all preparing for the game because big game against Aston Villa and I always remember on the Friday he pulled me to one side and he said to me in his very low voice Scottish low voice I'm selling you to Nottingham Forest and I was like what? we're playing Villa tomorrow yeah. and he went no no you're going up the road and that was basically in my last time that I played Brian your first manager was um, Tommy Doherty yeah wouldn't it have been Tommy Doherty and Arthur Cox's assistant yeah how didn't that work at Villa for the Doc because when you look at I mean my understanding is that, and I'm not a Villa supporter I'm, I'm, I'm Birmingham City through and through but my understanding is Tommy took you down didn't he yeah that first season yeah as a 15 year old boy I yeah. went to Villa in the second division and watch them get relegated. I mean, mm -hmm. I, and I think there's there's only one game sticks out in my head, which would be in Huddersfield Town. I think we beat them 4-1 at Villa Park and everybody was going, right, we've turned the corner now. Yeah. But we never did. And th as a young kid, I mean, I used to do a lot of, I used to be the T-boy in the first team dressing room. So I, mm -hmm. I was like privy to a lot of the arguments that were going yeah. on. And, um, and I always found that fascinating because I taught myself to look, to listen and to learn a lot when I was a kid. Because mm -hmm. you just... You know, in 1969, here I am, 15-year-old, in a first-team dressing room that's struggling. Yeah. So you learn a hell of a lot. You know, you see, I, I, so I can still see arguments and um, and good and, and and good fun as well. I can yeah. still see how the mess. But you could sense. I mean, as a kid, I'm sitting and listening to them moaning about the manager and all sorts of things. You know, mm -hmm. and there was no harmony in in the dressing room at all. So. You know, I, I got that. So I recognised that um, it just didn't work for, for Tommy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've met them several times since and, and always got on yeah. quite well. But he, he didn't. He had a lot of trouble with quite a few of the players. You know, mm -hmm. he, he, he would take them away on a Friday night and a lot of the lads didn't like that in those days. I remember things like that. You know, he used to keep them away. Um, it, it was just, a, it was very fractured, the whole yeah. dressing room. No, nobody was really happy. Um and as a, at that time, they'd signed Bruce Rioch for £100,000, which was the, mm -hmm. the, the record signing. Um, and it was only basically when, when the likes of, uh, of Vic Crow came in that he, he 
began to get yeah. some sort of harmony in the dressing room. But there was always a I, I always remember as a kid thinking, "Whoa, Craigie, why, why? The, you know, they're, they're not happy. They're, mm. they're moaning their bag off." And and yet there I am, you know, like thinking this is great in the first team dressing room, listening to them, all of their jokes and everything in those days, you know, and and watching watching the pros cutting people's socks up and yeah. and, and hanging them, and the, the big fight was going on, and some of them were laughing in a cut. Just the whole the whole. Um, it's like a theatre, the first team dressing room. <laughs> For me as a kid, it's like a theatre. You know, you're looking in there, you're thinking, you'd say Pat McMahon would just be singing, Dick Edwards would sing in the corner, and that's all they did. You know, they just love singing. You get Barry Hall sitting in the other corner, lighting a cigarette up and, and sitting there smoking his cigarettes. You know, and it, it just, it was, it was for me, as I've said, for a young yeah. kid leaving home, going into that dressing room, sitting there. You're just thinking, wow, what, what's going on here in the world? And yeah. then, and I, and I got the Tommy Doherty, Arthur Cox, very strict, mm. very, very, very strong, and a lot of them didn't didn't like it, you know. So it was it was a difficult dressing room, but one which educated me yeah. unbelievably, you know, so much so that it's affected my managerial days when yeah. I was older. I learned so much in that first year; it was untrue. But but yes, um, I. I I, as a kid, watched a dressing room that was very fractured mm-hmm. with a manager and, and an assistant who, Arthur, I've got to know really well over the years. I mean, you know, Arthur was manager at Derby when I was yeah. manager at Leicester. And, and, you know, there was somebody I looked up to as a 15-year-old. I'm actually on the same level with them all mm-hmm. of a sudden. So there's lots of things that happened in that first period that have stayed with me all my life, but especially the dressing room. Yeah. But, yes, it was fractured. And, and it taught me about a fractured dressing room being very much the, the the basis on on failure really but i guess going down to the third division i'd be amazed if that was a harmonious dressing room no yeah but but tommy did take chelsea down mm. to the second division um i mean he, he'd got jimmy greaves at, at the time and he took over from ted drake at chelsea yeah. but bought them up and had doherty's diamonds he got a group of youngsters yeah. that that he turned into one of the most charismatic football clubs in the history of British football well, in happened. Chelsea. He could have possibly done it to you guys at Aston Villa because he didn't Chico Hamilton. Was it Tommy that brought Chico? Chico? Well, he was it Chelsea signed, as well? They'd signed Bruce, uh, Bruce Riach and his, mm-hmm. and his brother Neil. They'd signed um, Chico Hamilton yeah. and they'd signed Pat McMahon. Those yeah, were yeah. the four major signings mm-hmm. as, as it was that year. And Bruce was the record signing. I mean, Chico was a great lad. But I mean, daft as a brush, yeah. you know. I mean, he was great. <laughs> they, were, they were funny, you know. There was, they, they, that, he, he comes into that category. Him and Neil Reock and them, they just loved the night out, you know. They loved the light nightlife, and yeah. and it was so. There was all those categories. Like as a kid, <laughs> I'm looking at and I'm seeing the yeah. serious side of it. The Bruce Reocks, uh, the the Ray Gradens, the Jeff Bowdens, yeah. the serious. There was the serious ones. There was the yeah. daft ones. There were the ones who who used to mess people around and cut their socks up and. And as a kid walking in there, just getting shouted at, cup of tea over here, son, three sugars. And also, you know, all that that I, mm. I was getting thrown at me. It's an unbelievable place. And, and uh, I, I don't mm. think I don't think there's that type of... It, it, that doesn't happen. I mean, there's still fun in a dressing room. There's no, I'm not saying there's no character. Yeah. But, but that, you go back into that 1969 for me, and then a Friday sticks in my head more than anything else when the team sheets used to go up. And, and you know, you'd finish training... And everybody sat around for an hour and a half before the first team team sheet come on. The second team sheet was hung up, and the 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 A team and the youth team. So it was four teams, yeah. and and at senior level, 
you could see the disappointment in the senior places if they were in the reserve team because they were going to pay for like a pound win bonus. Yeah. Whereas if you were in the first team, you got appearance money and you got win bonus. So you've got married men who you know yeah. in the in the in the tw- late twenties, thirties who were going to at the next day play play for a pound for playing in the central league as opposed to you know doubling their wages because yeah. their appearance money was pretty much the same as their basic. Work. And it, mm-hmm. it so you had that. That was a that was that created atmosphere in itself. The fact yeah. that so many of them and there was no subs in those days. So you're yeah. either you were either yeah. in the first team, second team, youth team or A team. End of story. Yeah. And that pinning of a you know you'd wait for that hour and then when the the coaches walked in pinning the teams, there was this big rush to the team sheets and then there was this a massive disappointment and you could see people chucking their boots across the dressing room. They're not in the first. It was just that basic. You know there was no planning about. Mm. Nobody's going out and practicing how we're going to play the next day. Friday morning was just like a a training session, and then you sat there and waited for your team sheets to go up. You know, so sports science and all that just wasn't there in so those days. You had the team sheet, yeah, after the training session. After, you'd, you'd wait yeah. till about one o'clock because mm. when we'd finished in the morning, used to be just I would be the tea boy, so I'd be sitting there mm. pouring tea for everybody, but the players would be. Some of them, like I say, they'd sit there having a cigarette, they'd go in the, in the bath, they'd come out, some would be ready, some would still be sitting in their kit, waiting for that team sheet yeah. to go up. And there's only 11 people yeah. on that team sheet. Mm. You know, and if you weren't, if you were Newcastle at home, you were Newcastle away with the reserves. Yeah. <laughs> and right. there was, so it was, it was like, it was, yeah. you were go, you'd gone from the highest point to the lowest point in 10 seconds, yeah. once you've seen where your name was. And that's for the senior players, not yeah. for us kids. But yeah. I, I used to witness senior players chucking their boots across the room, you know, and swearing, "Ah, oh, she's going to kill me! I'm not getting paid this week," mm. and you know, and all those things like that. So it was a really cutthroat thing. And I, and, and I, you, you look back, and those sort of things educate you. Mm-hmm. When you've stayed in the game, you've you've become educated because of it, because you want to realise how do I limit, how do I any, how do I get away from anything that I'm going to do that's more modern, but make sure I'm not creating that atmosphere of, of hatred all of a sudden because so yeah. it, all those things helped have helped me in, in 50 years of football really you know but the, them early things are massive they're massive in your mind aren't they and they're massive in your education of the game aren't they mm, well it's the same when I was at Wolves it was the same yeah. in them days it yeah. was uh, Sam H. Young used to come in and the three things we pinned up first team reserve team youth team um and as Brian said, the U team would kick off at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah. and then the reserves, wherever the first team were playing, you were playing at home or away and you were kicking off at three. Everyone kicked off at yeah. three o'clock yeah. and we were the same. I always remember that um, the two strikers that we had was Dugan and Richards. Two but we had, mm. we had eight strikers for them two positions. Yeah. So we had the likes of Alan Sunderland, yeah. Steve Kindon, Peter Easto, Norman Bell myself um, so we had like loads of players and we were all sort of yeah. always disappointed I always remember that uh, Alan Sunderland Dugan had got injured and Alan Sunderland had got in the t- side at the time yeah. and was playing really well and of course we we as youngsters we all sat in one corner so yeah. all the 21 year olds all the you know the lads sat in the one corner and all the senior ones were all around the sort of and Dugan and Richards was was over the far side and I always remember uh, Alan Sunderland was playing and playing really well. He's played about four of so of course we'd all jump up straight away to look at the in the reserves, you know. <laughs> and Alan Sunderland just sat there, and he never he was like 
well, I'm in the first team, you know, I'm, I've been, so we all got up, we went, we all looked back at him and he said, you're not in, you know, and he went, what? He said, he's put that old one Dugan in again. So we all went and gave him a little bit of a helping hand yeah. saying, I wouldn't stand for that. If I was you, I wouldn't stand. You ain't going to go toe-to-toe with the dude, though, are you? I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't stand for that. I'd, I'd actually go and see him. So we're all winding him up. So all of a sudden, he screamed down the We, The Wolves had this... You went down the corridor, went to the end, cut round the sort of side, and yeah. then double back on yourself to get to the manager's door. Mm. So he went down, screaming down there, turned the corner. When he got to the bottom, we'd all followed him. Then we heard him banging on the door, and the voice says, Come in. So he opens the door and he comes in. He says, what do you want? <laughs> so we're at the door now listening. So he starts screaming and shouting. So he says, I can't believe he said I'm not in the team. And he's uh, So he looks at, just takes one look at him and he says the, the magic words of, get out. <laughs> and he goes, thanks boss, thanks for seeing me. <laughs> yeah. And then come down, we were all in the dressing room. He said, I told him. <laughs> but in it, a fashion. That yeah. was the, that yeah. was the way it was. It yeah. was it was in them days. Was just you looked for that. Not in the team, no. But you know. reserve team football. I know you weren't playing in front of many when you're playing in the central league, and Birmingham used to play in the football combination. But you learnt so much surely yeah. by playing against men, well, playing against players that wasn't in the first team. Rather than today, it's like seventeens play with the seventeens, nineteens play with the nineteens. The youth are in their own. But like you've alluded to earlier, I mean, I do a show with, with Alan Hudson. Tommy used to take, because he's, mm-hmm. he used to play with Michael in the youth team. So Tommy used to take Alan when he was 16 away with Chelsea. Yeah. Pretty much like you. And, yeah. and Alan says to me, I learnt so much. Absolutely. And then reserve team football, you learnt so much. You learnt the ways of the old pros. Whereas kids today... I don't think they're having the same background as Pete when you come through no. in your manner and Brian when you come through in your... In fact, I think kids today have it too easy, too soon. Well, you, I, I'll back that up and, 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 and endorse that 100% mm. because when I was 15, my first game in the reserve team yeah. was at Man United. Yeah. And I'm 15, I've travelled up on the bus, I'm excited because I'm in the Central League at 15 I'm yeah. not, and I'm playing with all the lads who are you know, pro players who were gutted really... But we get to the ground and the coach comes and says to me, right, you're playing against it. You, you, and I could run. I mean, that's one thing I could do. I could run. You could and play I, well. And I played midfield those days yeah. as if in my first year. He said, right, you're playing against a player who, who doesn't want to be out there today. And he's a little bit old and you won't get any, and he won't get anywhere near. You'll run the socks off him. I said, OK, what's his name? He said, Paddy Crerand. Well, they well, carried me off after that. 60 minutes. <laughs> they carried me off the pitch after yeah. 60 minutes. Yeah. I couldn't get near him. Yeah. And Paddy Crown to the to this day and would say, no, he couldn't run very far, could he? It wasn't very quick. Yeah. And I I've seen Paddy so many times in years to come, and I've said, and he now look, looks and laughs at me when he sees because I know what he says I know what you're going to say. You played against me when you were a kid, and I and you hadn't got a clue. Yeah. But but that's what it was, and I was educated in one in in sixty exactly. minutes of football. Yeah. I was educated about, you know, you don't really have to run a million miles to affect a game. It helps if you can run, yeah. of course, but I just couldn't get near him. Yeah. I, and I, I, I just, you know, you go home on nights like that as a kid and you're sitting there thinking, God, how good have I got to be to get, to get up there, you know? But he was absolutely incredible. I couldn't get near him. So, yeah, you, you learn. Mm. And, and, and because they were closer in those days, going back to my 15-year-old again, my first day at Aston Villa, 
we all trained together. And I was, I was thinking, you know, we'd, we'd be off on our own somewhere. No. 30-odd pros, 15 apprentices, all training together. And again, it was the hardest day of my life. Hard, you know, but if I look back on it, you know, it, I started to grow up. I went home after three months of being at an apprentice and I was I went back to my little sports centre at, at Peter Lee and I was so different to all my, yeah. my friends who were still, obviously we're all 15, but I'd grown up in three months. I, I was so different to them, it was untrue because I was in a man, I was in a works environment, in a men's environment. Um, I mean, you know, we have kids in it, and I, I've got two. I've got a fifteen-year-old now, and a, a 14, fifteen-year-old sixteen. The thought of them leaving home today, I, I, I personally don't think they could survive. Yeah. You know, because society has changed so much. But you're just thrown in at the deep end. But wow, I, I think we. I don't think I'd swap, swap my grown-up period in football, and I, I bet you wouldn't either. You know, and, you? and yes, there are different things now, and, and, and there are so many things going on in the world which are politically correct and everything. And um, But I saw things at 15 that I wouldn't want my 15-year-old yeah. lad to see, you know, mm. in dressing rooms. But you, but you grew up on the back of it as well. Mm. So there, there has to be a happy medium somewhere. Yeah. I agree with you. You know, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-olds playing against 19, 17-year-old. Playing against your own age group, all the time isn't going to be that beneficial for you. You have mm. to, you have to learn. And you yourself. you will learn a little bit more by mm. being a little bit more diverse and and. Um, but I don't know. The, I I think at the moment there has to be a, 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 a there has to be a change. I mean the bet the best of the best get there at seventeen anyway. Mm -hmm. But it is becoming more difficult for like a kid like me who was quiet but had talent had a talent obviously. Um, because you think no, no, I've got to. We've got to just keep him with them because he's not ready for that yet. Supposedly, mm -hmm. but sometimes by throwing them in, it's surprising what they would come up with, you know. And I think that still is the case. There could be, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of lads who are a little bit more quiet. Who the coaches would say, no, look, he's not ready for that yet. But perhaps he is. Yeah. Perhaps he needs that to bring it out mm -hmm. of him, you know. And I think that that is something that isn't tried and tested enough these days. Seventies and talking to strikers. What a wonderful group of, of players we had in the Midlands, didn't we? Mm -hmm. At Wolves, Birmingham, Aston Villa, yeah. and at West Bromwich Albion now. I mean, what would we do for, for two or three of them in the modern game? Because mm -hmm. if you're looking at West Bromwich Albion, even Wolverhampton Wonders really, not got outstanding strikers, Aston Villa and Birmingham City, even worse. So, you know, when, when I was a kid, looking from my Birmingham City... Uh, point of view we just got rid of Little and Grey mm. who was the torment of my younger school days mm. and then replaced by Peter with and Gary Shaw <laughs> and if you look at you four players you could have you two could have easily played together yeah. because what you didn't have Peter had yeah. and the same as, as Shaw and Grey mm -hmm. so you had if you're looking at it now, from, from, from my time of loving football to now, you four football players up front were as good as he ever got at Aston Villa Football Club, in my opinion. Do you know what? Do you know, the, 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 like today, possession is king, isn't it? It mm. seems to be that possession is king. Whereas mm. in, in the first thing I was taught as a football player was keep your forwards in the game. Yeah. Keep your forwards in the game. When I first played with Andy Lockhead, 
Andy Lockard, well, I mean, he was a god to me, Andy. Mm. He just said to me, wherever I am, I want you 10 yards yeah. away from me. You play around me because yeah. I am the key of, key person in this team. I'm the person that they're told to keep in the game. Yeah. You need to feed off me. But we don't. the game isn't like that. Possession is king now, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Bringing your strikers into the game. I mean, I, 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 not that I would not like playing today, but I think, you know... I, I used to, and, and, and people used to, with people like me, feed me, if there wasn't me, feed me down the channel so yeah. I could run down the channel chasing the ball. There was nothing like being involved in the game. Mm. Nowadays, you know, a striker has to be so, well, I don't know. I mean, they have to be so patient because they're going to get, yeah. you know, they're going to get, and, 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 and why they're so, so, so rare is if they get two chances and stick one of them in, they're a great striker. Mm. You know, if they get three chances and don't score one, oh, they're no good sort of thing. But we used to get chances and and we were in the game constantly. I think certainly Peter, the key player in that team yeah. more than anything else, keep Withy in the game. But sure, he'll feed off and yeah. we'll win games. And and basically, in the seventies and eighties to a degree, that's that's how football was. It was your main the main battle on the pitch was the centre half versus the centre forward, yeah. and that was the, that was the key battle. Yeah. It's um, people say to me about our um, teams play like Wimbledon and they they play Route One football. Yeah. And I used to say to people, well, what's Route 1 football? Because if I'm a right back and I hit a ball over the top and the striker goes through and scores a goal, yep. is that Route 1 football or no. is that doing what you've been asked to do, score yeah. goals? Yeah. And I just think you find yourself with a happy medium. Um, and people, I always remember Jimmy Hill asking me one day, he says, how do you assess yourself as a, as a footballer? And I, say, and I said to him, I said to him, my role in this football team is everyone who's on that field can find me at mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. That is my role in the, in the football team. Uh, and he said, oh, I didn't really think of it that way. I said, well, you know, from goalkeeper to anyone in the team, that's what you've got to do. You've got to be on. And the thing that gets me more annoyed than anything over, over strikers nowadays, yeah. um, A, they don't study. They don't study the centre-halves and they don't study goalkeepers and mm. they don't study full-backs. Um, they just think to go out and play. And the other thing that annoys me more than anything is that... To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media or just follow the links in the description. Thank you.